Welcome. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey guys, I'm back again. So I've been on like this tirade as of late. I've been watching a million movies, pretty much one a day so far this year. And that's really not a joke. I am now recording this on January 13th. I have watched 12 movies leading up to today, and I'm going to be watching another one tonight. So that'll be 13 movies in 13 days. I have only seen one of these movies. And it's because I was trying to watch 100 movies last year, and I came up with 98. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to fall short this year. Now I'm on pace for 365 movies for the year. So hopefully I hit the 100 marker at least, but we'll see. Anyway, though, that kind of leaves me up really late most nights watching movies that really aren't worth my time, but I'm just watching them because I'm just checking them off. I have this watch list of like a billion movies that I need to get through that were interesting to me at the time that I wrote them down. And by wrote them down, I mean typed them up in my notes. But nowadays, when I look through them, I'm like, man, why was I interested in this? Why was I interested in this? And it's usually because there's a certain actor or actress involved or a director involved where I had just maybe watched one of their other movies. So I said, okay, well, I got to watch this now. So that's left me watching quite a few movies as of late. So last night I was up watching this one called Set It Up with Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch, which I always said it Dutch because I don't know, it just feels weird to pronounce a word or a name like Deutsch just sounds wrong, but I guess that's how it's pronounced. And I didn't know she was a nepotism baby. I had no idea her dad was the director of a few movies I was familiar with. It was like The Great Outdoors and a couple other movies. And it was also surprising to me because I looked at her dad and looked at her and I was like, she adopted? Maybe there's resemblance and I would see it if the guy was younger. But looking at him now and looking at her now, I'm just like, man, no gosh dang way did he produce that. I need to see the wife. That's all I'll say right there. So anyway, I watched Set It Up because it's supposed to be a pretty funny rom-com. The whole idea is that Glenn Powell is an assistant to this one guy and Zoe Deutsch is an assistant to this one woman. They work in the same office building and their bosses are way too demanding and they're having them work way too late of hours. And so they determine that they will be better off and have more free time to themselves if they set the two of their bosses up because they'll be too busy spending time with each other to be overworking their assistants. So Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch will be able to do the stuff that they actually want to do in life. Glenn Powell's got a girlfriend that he is unable to spend time with, and Zoe Deutsch wants to write articles for ESPN, which her boss is this ESPN reporter. So she wants to write sports articles, and she just wants to have the time to actually work on those. Anyway, the movie itself is pretty funny, but it got to a certain point where they go to Glenn Powell's apartment, and this is actually pretty early in the movie, where you meet his roommate, and what do you know, it's Pete Davidson, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't watch a movie without him these days. I I kid you not, he was in like six movies in 2022. That is not an exaggeration. He was in like six different movies. One is a TV movie, technically, and then he was in a few TV shows, I'm just saying they're like, come on, who do you guys think he is? What deal with the devil did he make where he is now dating every attractive woman in existence and is on every TV show in every movie? What happened? What ritual did he perform? Let me know because I'll do it. Is it the same ritual that they do in the babysitter movies? Because I don't know, I guess I could probably do that if I had to. I mean, 
it's turning out pretty well for him. I'm just saying like this guy, I'm not saying he's not funny, by the way, because I see women all the time are like, well, you guys, it's not about looks because, yeah, he's a weird looking guy. Like some women just want a funny man. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't see Norm Macdonald dating women like the women Pete Davidson is dating. But it's like, I don't know, I was thinking about all the comedians. I was looking it up, trying to find out who they've dated, who they're married to. And I was like, I'm not seeing a single one of these with a run as historic as Pete Davidson's last like three year run that he's on. It's actually incredible. So I stand by my deal with the devil thing because there are much funnier men than him that have not dated the type of women that he has dated. So it can't just be that he's funny that I'm sorry, just not possible. Not possible. But yeah, he's in this movie. And I just remember I was about to just shout out, like, get his ass off my screen. Which actually reminds me this time. It was um, the Memphis Grizzlies were playing the Minnesota Timberwolves in the playoffs last year. And every single game, they were cutting to the dads of the star players for both teams. There was T. Morant, who is the father of John Morant. And then there is Carl Anthony Towns' dad. I don't remember his his name. Might just be Carl. I don't know. But anyway, uh, they would always be sitting together and talking trash to each other because they were good buddies and they're watching their sons compete against each other. And ESPN would go and spend a bunch of time interviewing them during the game. And so they would have it as like a picture in picture where they are like the primary focus and the game's like in a box in the corner. And it's because ESPN thought they were just such great entertainment. But remember, there was someone that had a screenshot of two tweets that were like back to back. And it was just labeled the duality of man because the one tweet said, oh, my gosh, John Morant and Carl Anthony Towns dads are literally everything. And the other tweet was, get these dudes off my screen, (laughs) which, yeah, I thought was funny. But that's how I felt when I saw Pete Davidson. But anyway, Pete Davidson serves his purpose in the movie. I'm not even a huge hater. I've just seen him in so many movies at this point. And it's not that he's like some great actor or anything like that. And he's like you know, kind of just playing Pete Davidson in every movie. So I just think that's kind of weird. But he serves his purpose for the film. And the movie overall is pretty funny. And it's a good rom-com. I'm a big fan of Glenn Powell and Zoe Deutsch. So overall, I was going to be one over. Zoe Deutsch, I tell you, man, I have really enjoyed her and everything I've seen her in. I think she is very funny. She is a very talented actor. I mentioned she's a nepotism baby, but she is legitimately talented, has just great comedic timing, and is just really good in roles like this. Like Zombieland 2, she is probably the funniest part of that movie. She is great in Zombieland 2. And then her movie Not Okay, I gotta admit, I was rooting for her the entire time. She's technically the villain of the movie in a lot of ways because she makes up this huge lie just to be popular. She pretends that she survived a tragedy that she was not actually there for. And the rest of the movie is kind of her becoming really popular, but also lying and covering her tracks and the lie gets bigger and bigger throughout the film. But I got to say, I was rooting for her the entire time. I just have taken a strong liking to her. I think she is just super talented and I'm always looking forward to her future projects. And as far as Glenn Powell is concerned, I've now seen him in a few things. He's great in Top Gun Maverick. He is great in Devotion. He is super funny on Scream Queens. I liked him a lot in this movie. I thought he was pretty hilarious. And then I saw he's in an upcoming rom-com with Sydney Sweeney. 
who is the Euphoria star that a lot of people are huge fans of. And it's directed by Will Gluck, which is a crazy last name, by the way. But I think he did the movie Easy A. So yeah, Glenn Powell's got an upcoming project that I saw. And that was what reminded me of Set It Up because it's been on my watch list. And I said, okay, I just got to watch Set It Up. So I did. And it's a good movie. It's funny. Was it worth staying up till three in the morning? I don't know. Maybe. I don't really have too many regrets. I, I enjoyed it. But anyway, the movie that I am talking about today is the latest Gerard Butler venture at the movie theater, and that is Plain. So I'll tell you guys straight up, when I saw the trailer to this movie, I was laughing so hard in my theater, and it's just because it's so ridiculous. And Gerard Butler has really just gotten too deep into these ridiculous movies, kind of like Liam Neeson, where every time I see a movie trailer for Liam Neeson, I go, oh boy, he's doing too much. It's like this guy was an A-lister back in the day. This guy went from Schindler's List to being in Star Wars to being in a Christopher Nolan Batman movie to now being in just a million generic movies where he's just some retired cop or retired army man who got set up or is caught in the middle of something that he shouldn't be in. And the movies are just crazy that he's been in. Just insane. And I've stopped watching them because I see the trailers now. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like he had one called The Marksman. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, this seems a little problematic, but I don't know. I never watched it. And then Gerard Butler, he's kind of the same where he is just doing all these movies where I'm like, man, now Olympus has fallen. Oh, man, I think that's a fun movie. I like Olympus has fallen. But then he's in London has fallen and then Angel has fallen. And in London has fallen. I remember this part where he is beating the crap out of this guy while giving this speech on America being like the greatest country in the world. And I was like, look, I love the spirit and all that, but you're saying this in a Scottish accent. That's kind of crazy, man. Not that you can't, you know, be a Scottish American and love America. I just thought it was so funny that it's like the guy who's given the speech about how great America is, has the thickest Scottish accent. And I don't even think he's an American citizen in real life. I just thought that was hilarious. But, you know, here's the thing about Gerard Butler is he does so many of these movies. And it's the same case for Liam Neeson, where I kind of laugh when I see a Liam Neeson movie coming out. But at the same time, I know Liam Neeson's a really good actor. And that's the case with Gerard Butler. He's a really good actor, dude. Like he had a movie come out just a couple of years ago called Cop Shop. And he's really good in that movie. And then there's some other movies that are not as well received like Den of Thieves and Law Abiding Citizen where they might fall into a similar camp as his other ones. But I think he gives really strong performances in those movies. He's in Guy Ritchie's Rock and Rolla. It's like, dude, you can't be a bad actor and be leading a Guy Ritchie flick, even though that's one of the least popular Guy Ritchie movies. It's mostly because it's a little more serious than other Guy Ritchie movies. But then also he is the father in How to Train Your Dragon does the voice acting for that. And he is really good at that. And I remember watching a behind the scenes and I gained so much respect for him because I think those are great, great animated movies. DreamWorks is always delivering in that department. But he had talked about how he wanted to play the role. And I think it was something to do with his kids or something that he wanted a movie that they could watch. I don't know. Maybe I'm mixing him up with another guy, but I'm pretty sure that was the case. But he was kind of having a hard time getting into it. And then they showed him the animation for it. And so he's like, oh, so you guys are going to capture a lot of my body movements and stuff like that while I'm recording in the studio to try and kind of put some of his own personality into the characters. So not just his voice, but the way that he talks, his mannerisms and things like that. 
And then he just got really into it and gives a great performance. And I watched him in the studio. I was like, man, he's having the time of his life doing this role. And I love that because he really is great in that movie. And I'm a huge fan of a lot of the cast of that movie, actually. And then, of course, his biggest movie that I think most people know him for is 300. And I think that is his best acting performance. 300 is a movie that has been talked about a lot years later as maybe not aging well, as the politics being a little bit muddy. I think a lot of people don't quite understand what the movie is because it was essentially Starship Troopers with Swords and Shields, which Starship Troopers was this satire of like the American military complex and things like that. And in a lot of ways, 300 is similarly a satire. But the problem is the place that it mixes people up is that it's so awesome that it's hard to see it as satire. But there is a lot of it that is absolutely satirical. That is kind of making fun of the warmongering of the Spartans and the fact that the story itself is told through an unreliable narrator. There's even a part where they are slicing up their enemies during this cool montage but there's not blood coming out there's literally straw as in like their enemies are straw men like the enemies that they're fighting don't really exist and somehow they just get more and more monstrous and crazy as the night goes on and it makes it seem like their enemies are not even human because the whole movie is a story being told through a narrator, which is Faramir in Lord of the Rings. I don't remember his character's name in 300, but it's just him recruiting guys to the military. It's all just military propaganda, Spartan military propaganda. And so the movie itself is satirical in that way. And I think a lot of people miss that. And then some people will say, well, it could have been that, but Zack Snyder surely didn't intend it that way. And it's like, no, he definitely did. Like the straw man scene is one of the most telling signs but there's several other ones where you break it down and it's like oh yeah this is pretty clearly satirical it's just also really awesome because it was meant to entertain but if you were to dig deeper you'd be able to say oh okay it's also kind of about this which some might say that that is a weakness of a director is sometimes their stuff is so awesome that it distracts from the point they're trying to make. But I think Zach is a guy that tries to make awesome movies that if you analyze deeper, you'll be able to find the tone. Some not so subtle. Some are more subtle, like 300, for example. A lot of people, I think, just did not get it. But regardless of all that, I just got off on a tangent because I actually really liked the movie 300. It was one I wasn't super crazy about when I first watched it. Then I rewatched it a couple years later and said, oh, wait, this movie is actually kind of incredible. And one of the main reasons is that Gerard Butler gives such an awesome performance as King Leonidas. And hearing him talk about getting that role, too, was crazy because he was not a huge actor at the time. This is kind of not to say the role that put him on the map, because he already had a few roles at that point in time, but I don't think he has played a more noteworthy role in his career before or after this movie. I think this was the peak of his career, and that's not a knock on him, because this movie was a cultural phenomenon at the time it came out. I mentioned an episode ago how there were fifth graders whose parents were taking them to see the movie, and I thought that was crazy, but that's just how cool the movie was. That parents were taking their like nine and 10 year old kids to see it because it was just so awesome. And Gerard Butler is absolutely the driving force of this movie. And a lot of the dudes in that movie got so jacked for the roles. And of course, Gerard Butler is super jacked for the role, but he gives it his all and he is just absolutely great in that. So 
he's a guy that I just have a ton of respect for. I think he is a really talented actor that just kind of likes doing the movies that he does. And I even remember seeing on Jimmy Kimmel, there was a celebrity mean tweets. And the one about Gerard Butler was, does Gerard Butler have some massive student loan to pay off? Or is he just like making shit movies? And Gerard Butler kind of laughed and just said, no student loans. I just like making shit movies. And that was another thing where I respect him. I was like, this guy is like self-aware. He's able to laugh at himself a little bit. But the other thing is that I remember his movie, Den of Thieves, looking at a behind the scenes thing of it or him like, hearing him talk about it. And he had basically said that it was a story that a guy had brought to him and he thought it was a really cool story. And he helped this guy pitch it to a bunch of studios for years and years. And then finally it got made, but he was a driving force as to why this movie got made because it was written and directed by a guy who nobody freaking knows. So the guy himself had really no power to make this movie, but because he pitched it to Gerard Butler, who really loved the script and wanted to star in the movie, Gerard Butler helped this guy pitch it for years until finally a studio let them make the movie. And the movie itself, I think it's pretty good. I think it's underrated. It's not the greatest movie I've ever seen, but it is pretty clever in some ways. I think it's got some good twists to it, and I enjoy it. I've only watched it in 480p on YouTube, so I should probably watch it in higher def someday. I don't know. But back to what I'm saying, Gerard Butler's been in some crazy movies as of late where when I see he's in something, I usually just say, okay, this is probably going to be silly, but I'm always curious just because I like Gerard Butler. But I saw the trailer for this one and I said, this looks so silly because a plane goes down, he's the pilot, and all of a sudden he's just like killing terrorists on some random island to help save his passengers. And I thought that was just insane. And then it flashed the title card at the end and it's just plain, which cracked me up so bad, man. I was like, that's the name. And apparently in the international release, it was a few different countries. The name of the movie was actually Mayday. But for some reason, the U.S. got the title plain. And it's like Mayday makes a lot more sense. Plain was just so downright silly. But I saw someone say, hey, you know what? It gives a perfect idea of what the movie's about. Because I said, I hate when movies have a title that just there's no way you could connect it to what the movie's actually about. But I don't know. I feel like sometimes it's just way too on the nose. You got to come up with something a little more clever. Like plane would be a good working title where you're writing a script and you're like, well, I know it's going to be this. I'll just call it plane for now. And then later on they say, hey, how about Mayday? Or how about this? How about this? Like rarely do you just have a titled plane. You might say, oh, Kayla, but Disney Pixar did that with cars. Yeah, they did. And they did it with planes. But you can get away with that because you're Disney Pixar. When you're Gerard Butler, you're just kind of held to a different standard by people, I think. People are more likely to make fun of you than a Disney Pixar film, you know, because people don't take animated stuff as seriously. They should, but they don't. But now that I've gone on about how not seriously I was taking this movie and how, frankly, a lot of people were not taking it seriously because someone had shown the trailer on Twitter, they had a link to it and said, I can't describe to you how hard I laughed in theaters when it showed the title card for this movie at the end of the trailer. But I am ready to admit that I was a little bit wrong. I was wrong about this movie because I just didn't understand what it was. And I think I have just missed the point of what Gerard Butler has been making for the last 10 years or so. 
because someone pointed out in a positive review about this movie of how refreshing Gerard Butler's career has been because they said he has brought back 90s-style action flicks. And honestly, I never really watched movies from that era. As far as I never watched the action movies from that era. Movies like The Fugitive or U.S. Marshals or Air Force One, for example. I've seen a couple of those or I've seen scenes from those, but I've never watched them in their entirety. But basically, those are the types of movies that Gerard Butler is doing. Now, they may not be quite as good as those, but they're a bit nostalgic for people that grew up on those. And I think there's a handful of Nicolas Cage movies. I don't know exactly which ones would fit that bill. Gone 60 Seconds, Con Air. I don't remember which ones released in the 90s and which ones did not. But when I saw that review, I was like, oh my gosh, I have just completely missed the point of these movies all these years. It's actually genius. It's actually genius what Gerard Butler's doing. And then I kept seeing positive reviews for this movie playing. And it was a bunch of people saying, hey, look. They're not reinventing the wheel. There's nothing crazy they're doing, but it's a good, cheesy, fun action flick reminiscent of the old 90s movies. And I was like, huh, well, I was going to watch this one regardless, but now I'm a little more curious. So I went to see it. I saw it opening night. And unfortunately, my theater was full and it was a small theater and it reeked of weed. Now, this is not me discouraging weed smokers. You guys can smoke what you want. I have no problem with that. But I don't want to be in a theater that reeks of weed for two hours. It's not really my scene, necessarily. But it did give me an idea of the type of people that these movies are made for, I guess. And that's not a knock on these movies, and that's not a knock on people that enjoy these movies. I just said, oh, this is the market. This is the audience. Okay, because I don't usually see these types of movies opening night or maybe even at all. But in this case, I was just so curious because uh, the trailer I thought was a little silly. And usually if a movie looks really bad, I kind of want to check it out. But then this is one that I thought looked really bad. And then I saw really good reviews for. So I said, well, I'm even more curious now. I got to be there opening night. But yeah, it reeked of weed. And then I'm at AMC where they've got their recliner lounge seats. You know, they're very comfortable uh, when you recline them. But I don't typically recline my seat when I'm sitting at the end. So I didn't get my tickets until like the day of. And so I was sitting in this end seat and my row was going to be full. So I said, okay, I'm not going to recline all the way because I want people to be able to get in and out before the movie starts. And then I'll recline once the lights dim and I see the Nicole Kidman AMC intro. But then they play through the trailers and... This last couple comes and sits down in my row. And so I said, all right, time to lean back and watch this movie. And then I click the button to recline and it doesn't recline. And I said, maybe I clicked the wrong one. So I clicked the other one, doesn't recline. And I keep clicking both sides. And I was like, it's not reclining. And the thing is, these seats are combined. There's like two seats for every one electrical outlet. And so the one next to me, I pushed the buttons and the one next to me is right next to another guy. So I said, I don't want to scoot over one seat and sit around top of this guy, but I had to check. And sure enough, that one also didn't recline, which meant that there was something wrong with the electrical output. And I couldn't really get behind the seat to check to see if it was plugged in or not, or if there was something else wrong. So I was like, you know what? This is the only show time of the night. I have to watch this tonight because I won't be able to tomorrow night. I have other plans. 
and it's just too difficult for me to record on weekends. So I got to see it on the opening Thursday so I can record on Friday most of the time because it's just too difficult for me to record on Saturdays and Sundays. So I was like, I just got to stick this out and watch the movie. I had contemplated. I said, maybe I'll just cancel this and I'll go to another theater for a showtime because maybe Harkins has a later showtime. I'd have to pay money for that, but maybe that's a better option. But then I thought I just spent a lot of money during Christmas and I'm kind of broke right now. So I'm not going to do that. I'll just stick it out with this movie sitting in this chair, not reclined for the full duration. And I thought it won't be too different than watching a movie at home. Won't be that much more uncomfortable. And sure enough, it wasn't too bad. It wasn't terrible, but I would have liked to have been able to recline. I will say that. And I do wonder if the other people in my row, most people don't notice other people, but I do think that I would have noticed if someone else wasn't reclined, I would have been like, man, this guy's a psycho. He didn't even recline for a two hour movie. That's crazy. I would have noticed that, but I don't know. Maybe most people in my theater were so high, they just would not have noticed. And the thing is, I mentioned it smelled like weed. It was also that these people were giggling at a bunch of stuff that I was like, I don't think that was meant to be funny. And I usually attribute that to the fact that the modern general audience is kind of desensitized by modern blockbusters because most modern blockbusters are kind of in that MCU style where anytime there's like a break in tension, people have to assume that it's a joke. And anytime a character makes a quip in a certain way or has a comeback to something someone says, they have to assume that it's a joke. But in this case, I just think that they were so stoned that they were a bit giggly because there were some things they were laughing at that I was like, yeah, that's kind of not funny, but you know, I'm not as high as you are. So maybe I'm just not able to connect, you know? But anyway, this movie plays out exactly as the trailer would show you. They are on this flight. They have to take the flight through a storm because the guy in charge of the flights or whatever tells them, hey, the storm should clear up by the time you pass through here. And Gerard Butler's like, why don't we just take this route? And the guy's like, oh, that's more fuel and more time. So just go through here. The storm should clear up by the time you're going through. And sure enough, the storm does not clear up. So their plane gets struck by lightning. And so they have an electrical failure and they end up having to crash land the plane on this random island somewhere in the Philippines. And just so happens that the island they crash land on is this one island that is really not part of the Philippines. It's this island of rebels, basically, that they don't have their own government. It's kind of like the wild, wild west. There is one guy in particular that everyone answers to, and they are going to take everyone prisoner and hold them for ransom, basically. But of course, if you are Gerard Butler and you fly a plane, you're not going to let it go down that easy. So that's the plot. The plot is that they crash land on this place where there are some dangerous people, but little do they know that Gerard Butler flies this plane and he's not going down without a fight. So that's the thing. It is like this cheesy 90s style action movie. I haven't seen all the 90s action movies, but the ones that I have seen and the ones that I've seen parts of are pretty much of this style where it's kind of a ridiculous plot where it's just a lone man taking down unknown, unnamed threats from foreign countries, you know. But I'll admit that I had a fun time with this one. I thought for the most part, I was like, this is okay. This is okay. This is okay. You know, a little cheesy. And then the third act rolls around. And by that time, I was like, okay, this is kind of awesome. This is actually really fun. 
And I got to admit, man, I just really like Gerard Butler. And there's a point where I was like, man, this guy, he's the greatest American alive, even though he's Scottish in the movie. All these movies kind of revolve around the United States of America. That's just how it goes. Like somehow they're all patriotic, even when they're really not. But yeah, it was a fun movie. It's not going to be one that people watch and write essays about where they're like, oh, wow, I love how the camera did this and this. But it's just a fun movie. And honestly, the first action scene that he has in the film, this guy attacks him while he's trying to call for help on this radio or on this phone. And they do the fight as a one or as a one shot. There are obviously points where I can see where they would make cuts where someone crosses in front of the camera. And I would say, okay, there's a cut there. There's a cut there. But they do it as a continuous shot. And I really like that because I said they didn't have to do that. They just did do that because they want it to be kind of unique. They want to capture the attention of the scene because it's kind of a shaky cam, of course, but it's not that shaky. It's pretty steady given the circumstances. And they did it as a one shot. So there was really no break in this action. There wasn't a change of camera angles or anything like that. It wasn't cutting to a different shot. I mean, it was like you were Gerard Butler being attacked by this guy and you're watching it play out from that perspective. So I thought that was really cool, actually. And in the third act, there is some shootout action and i thought that was pretty awesome too because there's a guy with a sniper rifle and they make it really really violent when he shoots people but my theater was like audibly reacting to it maybe because they were high but also because it was kind of cool to be honest but also the entire time i was like damn this guy can really fly a plane and that was actually my letterbox review afterwards i said damn this guy knows how to fly a plane <laughs> But I don't know. It was a fun movie. It, Like I said, it's not going to be one that anyone talks about years from now, probably. But it's one that will do its job at the cinemas that people are going to go see it. They'll have a good time. They'll tell their friends that it was good. Maybe their friends will see it. Maybe not. But it will have served its purpose. And I can see some people rewatching it just because there's not a ton of movies like this one that release. So it's just kind of fun. And so shout out to the people who made that movie because it's mostly people I am unfamiliar with. Shout out to Gerard Butler, of course, because Gerard Butler, he's my boy. And then shout out to Mike Coulter, who plays a very big role in this movie. He was on the Marvel Netflix series, Luke Cage, and I think he also appeared on Jessica Jones and the Defenders. I didn't watch any of those, but that's what a lot of people know him for. But he does a good job in this movie, and I liked his character a lot, too. This is one of those films, though, where afterwards it's like, what was the name of the main character? And eh, I couldn't tell you, but it doesn't really matter. It was just a good time overall. So I'll say it was a good time. Anyway, that's all I got for today. If you're curious to check out some throwback-style 90s flick, then Plane is definitely the movie for you. It is now playing in theaters. In the meantime, there are some other movies that are about to come out, and I don't know which ones I'm going to see because there are a few that I just don't know if I'll be able to bring myself to watch. There's that new Tom Hanks joint that I just don't think I can watch. A Man Called Otto, I think. It's supposed to be good, but you'd have to hold me at gunpoint to watch it. I am just not a Tom Hanks guy, and the movie just looks terribly uninteresting to me. I just can't imagine finding any entertainment in it. And someone might listen to this after having seen that movie and be like, oh, Caleb, you gotta watch it. I actually think you'd really like it because, and believe me, 
I won't. I just won't. I get that all the time, though, where I'll say, yeah, I'm not watching this movie. And someone will say, no, I think you'd like it because X reasons. And then I watch it. And I'm like, OK, I should have trusted my gut. I do not like this. I'm bored. I'm officially bored. But anyway, I'll still try to keep you guys up to date on the latest movies I'm watching. I'm just saying that there's some coming out that I don't know if I'll be able to sit through. So I'll think of something for you guys. But that will be a wrap for me today. You guys will hear more from me later.